Well, good evening, everybody. Nice to uh, sort of meet you. I mean, we're not actually doing like one-on-one -on -one introductions, but it's nice to see all of your faces. And I'm so excited that the plane finally took off from Phoenix and I was able to get here in time because I was panicking just a little bit. Uh, I want to introduce myself. Uh, I know I got a little brief introduction earlier. My name's Robert, and I've been a pastor in Arizona for years. I've been at the church uh, that I'm currently at for the last 17 and a half years. And uh, I want to introduce you to my family. I brought a picture of my family here. Um, so that's my wife, Lindsay. We met on a trip to Africa back in 2004. We were married in 2005. Uh, the one on the left with the glasses, that's Gabriel. That's our oldest son. He is 13. Corbin is on the right. He is 12. And then that is my sweet daughter, Emma, who is 10. And she would want me to clarify for all of you, she is 10 and a half, okay? So she's not not just 10, she's 10 and a half. And just last night, our family, we were, we were eating dinner together and we were eating, we sometimes make our kids eat things they don't wanna eat. Any kids you've ever experienced where mom or dad make you eat something you don't wanna eat? Okay, yeah. Uh, so we had made Brussels sprouts. Anybody a fan of Brussels sprouts in the house? All right. There's my people. Anybody not a fan of Brussels sprouts in the house? Okay, so in our house, we don't, we don't like necessarily the taste of Brussels sprouts. They're more a delivery mechanism for things like bacon or things like teriyaki sauce or whatever we tend to mix in with the Brussels sprouts. And so we had done that. We made Brussels sprouts and, uh, and my boys, they were not having it. And they were not a fan whatsoever. In fact, they wouldn't even try it just because of the smell, because of the texture. They're like, we're not even going to try it. And then my daughter, Emma, she looked Corbin right in the eyes. And here's what she said. Man up, bro. <laughs> and, uh, and then he did. I was like, wow, that actually works. Uh, so yeah, so that's, uh, that's my sweet Emma who loves to tell her brothers, man up, bro. Uh, but that's, that's my family, and uh, I'm excited to be here with you guys, excited about what I believe God's going to do throughout our time together this weekend. Here, here's, here's what I've been praying for us, uh, that each one of us here whether you're a dad, whether you're a daughter, that each one of us here throughout the course of this weekend, we would grow in our relationship with God and that we would grow in our relationship with, with each other, which I believe is at the heart of God. I believe the most important thing in life is relationships. In fact, when Jesus, uh, he, he had somebody that was asking him questions and said, okay, Jesus, what what is the greatest of all the commands? Because in the Bible, you have all, all kinds of commands and, and laws and things like that. And he says, okay, what, what is the greatest command? And, and, and what is, of, of all the laws that are out there, what's the greatest one? Jesus says, it's this. It's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he says this. And he says, and, and the second one is actually like it. So he connects the second one with the first one and to love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, Jesus says the most important thing in all of the Bible is this, is that we love God and we love others. If I could summarize all of the Bible, that, that's really what, what the command is, that we would learn to receive God's love in our life and we would give it away to others. And here's why I believe it is so important to the heart of God that, that we grow in our love for God and our, our love for others because God in his very nature is love. God in his very nature is relational. So I'm going to try and explain something that, that I can't totally explain, but I'm going, to, I'm going to pray that maybe God would reveal something through it. There's this truth in Scripture that God is three and yet one. He is one and yet three. 
So there's one God who eternally exists in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and each are fully and equally God. Yet there is one God. So think of it this way. If, uh, how many of you, you like math? Math is your, your subject. Okay, so when you think about God, here's my problem. I think addition. I think one plus one plus one equals? Oh, I heard somebody over here. You, got, you get the A plus gold star. Yeah, one plus one plus one equals three. Don't think addition. Think multiplication. One times one times one equals? One. one. So you have one God, three persons, three persons, one God. God is one and yet three, three, and yet one in Genesis. The very beginning of your Bible, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, God's creating everything. He's creating everything that you see. When you go outside tonight and you look up and you see the moon and you see the stars, God, God spoke all that into existence. He's creating everything that we've ever known and ever seen. And in verse 26, then God said, let us, let us, plural, let us make mankind in our image, in our image likeness. So on the very first page of your Bible, God is three and yet one. God says, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. We use the word Trinity to describe this reality of who God is. Triune, meaning three and yet, yet one, which leads us to an important principle for us to understand is that God is relational. This is who God is in his very nature. God is relational. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit have been submitting to and glorifying one another for all eternity in this mutual, self-giving love. That is who God is. And we get a glimpse of this thing that's been going on for all eternity, this relationship at the baptism of Jesus. Matthew chapter 3, verse 16 says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, and baptized means to dunk under the water, so Jesus gets baptized. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, at that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. So you have God the Son, now you have God the Spirit. And a voice from heaven said, this is my Son, God the Father is speaking. This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. So we get a snapshot of what existed before all creation. And here's why I'm saying all this. This is why this is really important. You ready? Love existed before the cosmos ever did. Love existed before God ever spoke anything into existence. Love existed. In fact, John writes that God is love. Not that love is God, but that God in his very nature is love. So love has always existed, which means everybody, everything wasn't created so that God could receive love, but so that he could share love. This is what life is all about. You and I were created to learn to receive God's love and, and share it with others to be a part of this dance that has existed for all eternity. I wanna quote C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity. Here's what he writes. In Christianity, God is not an impersonal thing, nor a static thing, not even just one person, but a dynamic, pulsating activity, a life, a kind of drama almost. If you will not think me irreverent, a kind of dance. The pattern of this three-person life is the great fountain of energy and beauty spurting up at the very center of reality. Early Greek church leaders had a word for this. They called it perichoresis, which is where we get the word choreography. It means to flow, to dance around. And so uh, the, the best illustration I, I could think of in that is that uh, God 
is not static, but, but dynamic, that there is everything in creation is a reflection of who he is, that there's this constant motion. When you pause and you just look what's all around us in creation, Cosmologists and physicists in the last century have concluded that everything in the universe began as light, which by the way, that's in the Bible. God spoke, he said, let there be light. And light itself is in this dance, this electric and magnetic wave and yet a particle, this three and yet one, this one and yet three, a reflection of who God is. There are trillions of galaxies stretching across the cosmos that God has created. Trillions, and each of those galaxies are made of hundreds of billions of stars all in this gravitational dance with one another. Stretching across with invisible forces, we're just beginning to understand that are holding all these things together and all these things are moving apart in each galaxy in symphony with all of these stars, which are these thermonuclear reactors in their own dance with hydrogen fusing them into elements, radiating photons, and these photons from our sun, they travel to our earth, sustaining living things. Plants, insects, bacteria, animals locked in this complex dance. The moon is dancing with our tides, the gravitational pull on our tides. Our pull with the earth, our earth pulling with the sun. Everything's in constant motion. And if you were to then zoom way in on every living Thing You find these things called cells, and we used to think they were just like these gelatinous blobs, but it turns out inside cells are this dance of all these things in motion with one another, and you zoom in on molecules, and it's, it's not just that molecules are these static things, but no, we see that molecules are actually in a dance with electrons and protons and neutrons, and then we put everything in this machine in Europe, and we sped it up really fast, and we smashed it into itself, and then we found out that within those atoms are actually a whole other dance of quarks and gluons and all these different things. And we're like, wow, everything's constantly in motion. And even these little particles, we thought were particles are just these wobbles in quantum fields. And I don't totally understand it all, but everything's a dance. Everything's a motion that God has put into place. It's a reflection of who he is and what we were created for. Paul writes in Romans that we can learn about God by studying the created things around us. That they're a reflection of his nature and who he is. Life is all about relationships. We were made by a relational God who loves us. And that God is a community of persons who created you, created me, to share in his, his love. So my wife and I, we've been married now for, oh, I think it's 16 years. She would be so upset that I paused there for a second. But every time in our relationship that things have gotten a little bit challenging or, or difficult, here's what happened is we, we fell out of that, that rhythm that God has demonstrated for all eternity, this mutual self-giving love. Daughters, whenever you experience frustration and challenges in relationships, at some point we've fallen out of the rhythm of this dance that God has created us for. See, God's created us to love one another with the kind of love that he has loved us with that he's modeled it for us. And my wife and I, whenever we get self-centered, whenever we start thinking more about ourselves than anybody else, that's when we fall out of rhythm of that dance. Any of you ever experienced that? Any of you ever feel the challenges of those moments? See, because ever since the fall of, of mankind, we became self-centered. And we stopped the motion of this dance and our worlds began to implode. Do you guys realize in nature, 
When a star stops doing the dance of giving and serving, that dance of nuclear fission and, and all of that, once that stops, here's what happens. That star collapses into a black hole. That all living things, when we stop the dance, see, right now, even right now, you guys are in a dance. Ready? Everybody do this with me for a second. Everybody take a breath in with me. Ready? Let it out. There's a dance of receiving and giving that you and I, we're dancing right now with, with the air in the atmosphere that we breathe it in and we breathe it out. And here's what happens when living things stop the dance. We call that death. When they stop breathing in and stop breathing out, that it's this self-centered implosion. Humanity stopped the dance when we turned our backs on God. And we chose other things within creation other than the one who created them. And so now we're dealing with the effects of all of that. We're dealing with this stagnant soul. And we chase all these things that we think are going to satisfy our souls that, that we were created for. Yet we're so self-centered, we can't actually experience what God has created us for. Because he created us to give love and to receive love. To give love and to receive love. To join into this, this dance. I heard a pastor talking about phantom pain. And if you don't know what phantom pain is, phantom pain is something that, that soldiers experience if, say, they, they lose a limb in battle, that later on in life, they'll, they'll feel the sensation as if that, that limb is still there. And, and they'll sense it, and they'll, it'll be very real, and they'll have e even sometimes pain from limbs that are, are no longer there. And here's the thing about phantom pain. For you to experience phantom pain, you have to have lost something that once was yours. To experience phantom pain, you have to have lost something that once was yours. And here's what I've observed in my own life. Here's what we see all around us. And if you were honest, you've experienced this too. All of us were chasing after something. All of us are trying to fill a void within our soul. And maybe we think, if I could just make this team, if I could make the swim team, or I could make the cheer team, or if I could get this title, dads, if I could get this job, if I could get this level of income, if I could get this prestige, if I could get that car... For years and years, I drove a Kia Soul. It takes a lot of humility to be a man driving a Kia Soul. I'm just telling you that right now. And I was always longing for more, thinking, man, if I just had a better vehicle, then maybe I would satisfy the longing of the soul. You realize for years and years and years, for centuries, for millennia, we've been chasing after these things, and people have attained them, and they've gotten them and realized, oh, that doesn't satisfy the soul. What is it we're trying to satisfy? Here's what we're experiencing. All of us are experiencing phantom pain. See, we were created to be a part of this dance. We were created to be in motion, this mutual self-giving love. That that's truly what, what satisfies the soul. Solomon, one of the wisest men who's ever lived, he writes this in Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11. Says he, talking about God, has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. That what our souls are longing for is this eternal dance. Experiencing the love of an eternal God. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. You and I, we were created to join, to join this dance. And I don't know where you're at 
this weekend. All of us, I know we're coming from different places, uh, different cities, different stages of life. All of us are coming from different places. But here's what I think. I, I, I think all of us, if we were honest, there's some things that we've been chasing. And my hope and my prayer is that God would help us this weekend to just let those things go. To stop thinking that if I attained this, then that would satisfy my soul, that we would slow down this weekend that we would pause just long enough to realize that what matters most in life are the relationships here in this room, the relationships we have back home, the relationships that God has given us, including our relationship with him. And that all those things we're chasing after, what we're trying to do is we're trying to fill this, this void, this phantom pain of something that once was ours that's missing. And here's my prayer is that we would experience what God created us for this weekend. And so I don't say all of us are chasing things to, to say that in a way that maybe would be shaming or, or to make us feel like, oh, I, I can't believe that I actually struggle with that. Here, here's why I say all of that. If you're chasing after significance, what I believe is you're actually chasing after God. If you've been chasing after meaning in your life, here's what I believe. I believe you're actually chasing after God. If you're chasing after identity, trying to understand who you are, here's what I believe. You're actually chasing after God. You might not realize it. If you're chasing after joy, satisfaction, what you're actually chasing is you're chasing after God. Because all of those things, I believe, are found in relationship with him. Jesus prays this prayer. And he, he prays this prayer not just for his disciples who were with him at this moment. He prays this prayer actually for, for you and for me. If you're here and you've put your faith in Jesus, and if you haven't, we're so glad that you're here. You're welcome here, and I believe God's going to do a lot in your life this weekend. But if you've said yes to following Jesus, Jesus prays specifically for those who would believe because of the disciples' testimony. And he prays this prayer. And I want you to hear this prayer that he prayed for you and for, for me in light of the reality that God is relational, in light of the reality that God for all eternity has experienced this beautiful mutual self-giving love and he created all things so that we might share in that love, listen to Jesus' prayer. In John 17, John records Jesus' prayer. Jesus says, my prayer is not for them alone, talking about his disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's you and me if you put your, your trust in Jesus. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. So that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me. And you have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given to me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you. And they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Jesus wants you and I to experience what he's experienced for all eternity. Jesus' prayer that he prayed for you and for me 
is that we would experience God's love in the way that he's experienced it for all eternity. Here's the Christian life. If I could sum up all the Christian life in a really simple way, you ready? Here it is. Christian life is this, practically speaking, it's you and I learning to receive the love, the grace, the mercy of Jesus, to receive God's love in our life, and then to give it away to others. That's it. When he was asked, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment in all of the law? What's the greatest command? Jesus said, it's to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. And so here's what I want to pray for us for this weekend. If you would join me in, in praying for this for yourself. Dads, if you would join me in praying this for your daughters. Daughters, if you would join me in praying this for your dads. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to pray that God would help us to grow in our love for him and for one another. Would you join me in praying for that? Father, for each one of us here, God, may this weekend be a significant weekend. Uh, for some of us, we've been distracted by things that really don't matter. God, would you help us to, to set those things aside? to press pause on all the chaos and all the busyness and to really focus on what matters most. God, I pray that you would help us to receive your love this weekend. And God, I pray that you would help us to share that love with one another. Father, I love that of all the titles, of all the, the words you could use to describe your relationship to us, you chose Father. God, that you love us the way a dad loves their, their child. I pray for all the dads in the room that you would help us to understand, to grasp the reality of how much you love us. No matter who we are, no matter what we've done, no matter what's been done to us, God, that you love us right where we are. I pray for the daughters in the room. I pray that they would know that they are doubly loved. They are loved by their, their earthly father as well as their heavenly father. I pray that this would be a, a weekend of laughter, of joy, of learning to receive that love. And I pray that these daughters would also learn how to share that love with others. So God, we give you this weekend. We give you all of the things that we wrestle with in our hearts and in our minds. God, we give you ourselves. We hand over our lives to you. And God, we, we pray that you would help us to learn how to join back in the dance how to experience what you've experienced for all eternity, to be one with you and one with each other in a way that glorifies you and that the world may know who you are, God, through our love for one another. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, you would fill us, you would guide us, you would direct our steps this weekend. And may we grow in our love for you and our love for one another. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.